I want to ask you if you'll grab your Bibles, open up to the uh, book of Joshua this morning. Joshua chapter 4. And Memorial Day weekend uh, is a very special day. And we consider Memorial Day throughout the, the, the years. And Memorial Day is not, uh, has, is not really that old of a holiday. In the most deadly war of our nation's short history, America lost 620,000 soldiers in one war. There was hardly a home or a family that did not feel the effects of this devastating war. To those of you who are history buffs, you know I'm talking about the Civil War. And in the years following the Civil War, the nation was hurting. The Union may have been preserved, but it came with a great cost. People were divided, hearts were hurt because they had lost fathers, brothers, and sons. It was not easy to get over that loss. There were so many soldiers lost that the National Cemeteries soon filled up. And, and the first soldier to be laid at rest at Arlington National Cemetery was Private William Christman. He was a Union soldier who died after just two months in the army of the measles. Following the Civil War, there was one thing that both sides could do well. And on May 5, 1866, in Waterloo, New York, the very first Memorial Day, or Decoration Day, was celebrated. It was originally called Decoration Day, and the, the community closed its doors, closed the businesses, closed everything down, and they chose to take that day and decorate the graves of soldiers with flowers and flags. 153 years later, we struggle to remember. We struggle to understand the significance of a day called Memorial Day, a day where we remember the sacrifice of those who have given all for God and country. Today is a day where God and country are relegated, uh, relegated to the backwoods and to rednecks. Amen? I'm grateful that today I'll, I'll claim to be either one of those if I get to put God and country on the forefront. We find that popular thing to do today is, is instead to kneel for the flag. The popular thing to do is to forget the incredible sacrifices of those who have paid the ultimate price, of those who have gone on before. At Arlington National Cemetery, the old guard the 3rd U.S. Infantry Regiment still remains steadfast. Their existence uh, has, predates our Constitution. That's why they're called the Old Guard. They, they fought in every major battle, or excuse me, every major war uh, in our nation. During this week, uh, they released uh, some incredible pictures. Here's a picture of Brother Brian. This was an incredible moment on Thursday. During the severe rainstorms in Washington, D.C. area on Thursday afternoon, a sentinel at the tomb of the unknown soldier was captured on camera, placing flags at the memorial. With only a few watching from cover, a tomb sentinel approached the unknowns with U.S. flags in hand. As thunder shook the ground and rains washed down without abandon, the tomb sentinel pierced through the elements with breathtaking precision. He knelt and placed the flags in honor of the unknowns. We remember today, don't we? We remember the sacrifice of great men and women who have given all. Why are these days so valuable? Why is Memorial Day, why is remembering so important to us? Because we remember the person. We remember the sacrifice. We remember the reason. We remember the cause for which they gave it all. And in the book of Joshua, we find a moment where God instituted a time to raise a memorial. 
a time to remember, a time to something to celebrate in, in the coming generations. And we find that Joshua was a brand new leader, and God wanted to use this young man in such an amazing way. And, and so God wanted to really, in, in Joshua's life, establish in the eyes of all Israel that he was their new leader. He was their new commander, and he was just as close with God as Moses was. Moses was a fantastic leader in the history of Israel. And in Joshua chapter 3 and verse 7, this is not in our text, but if you'll just back up one chapter, it says, And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. During the time of this crossing of the, of the Jordan River, it would, have been, it would not have been easy. The Bible says that it was a time where the, the banks were swelling over. The Jordan River had times of great swelling, typically during harvest time, and it would run over its banks uh, as the snows and, the, and things melted from the high country. It would come down and feed the Jordan River, and truly it was a great flooding. Uh, Jeremiah talks about this as well in his book, but let me just encourage you uh, that, that this was not just a, a little, uh, little creek bed that they had to cross. It was a raging torrent. We're, we're familiar with that this week, aren't we? Matter of fact, we're selling some rocks out here if anybody wants to buy a rock. I tell you, this was a time where there was a great flood, uh, but God had called them in the midst of this to cross this water. You're not going to stay on this side where it's comfortable. You're not going to stay on this side where it's easy, but instead I'm calling you to cross over the Jordan River into the promised land. And that crossing took great faith, didn't it? And so that's what we want to read about today in Joshua chapter 4 because we see here in this text that God reminds us that just as God called the children of Israel to cross over that, God calls us to great acts of faith as well. And so Joshua chapter 4, look there with me. And would you stand, let's stand together today as we read our text today. It says, And it came to pass when all the people were clean passed over Jordan that the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Take you twelve men... Out of the people, out of every tribe, a man. And command ye them, saying, Take you hence out of the midst of the Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet start, stood firm, twelve stones, and ye shall carry them over with you, and leave them in the lodging place where ye shall lodge this night. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had prepared of the children of Israel out of every tribe a man. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of Jordan, and take you up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. That this may be a sign among you, that when your children ask their fathers in time come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? Then ye shall answer them, that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it uh, passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for memorial unto the children of Israel forever. And the children of Israel did so as Joshua commanded, and took up twelve stones out of the midst of the Jordan, as the Lord spake unto Joshua, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, and carried them over with them unto the place where they lodged, and they laid them down there. And Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of Jordan in the place where the feet of the priests which bear the ark of the covenant stood, and they are there unto this day. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for the word of God. We're thankful, Lord, for the great reminder of, of uh, the memorial today. We remember those great soldiers who have given all. Lord, we're thankful for them. We're thankful for these veterans that are here this morning that were willing to lay down their life. 
God, and we pray that today you would continue to raise up men in our country. You would continue to raise up uh, uh, people in our country that love you and that will give all. Father, we just pray that you would just be glorified in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. As Joshua and the children of Israel came upon the banks of the Jordan River, it was an opportunity for them to really learn to trust God. This was a brand new leader. This was their first venture, really, with Joshua. And as they had already sent in spies into Jericho, and they knew what Jericho was like, and so we, they, Joshua knew that the river was swelling. The, a couple of spies got across, but now they're bringing old, older people, and they're bringing their young, and they're bringing uh, others that have a hard time to cross the Jordan River. And as they crossed that Jordan River, they needed God's help. It was not possible to do on their own. And so Joshua and the children of Israel turned to God by faith, believing that God could and that God would. And listen, anytime we see God work in miraculous ways, we should never forget. We should always remember. And so we need to this morning to, be re to remember what God has done. And we need to raise a memorial. And, and I'll, under I'll explain what I mean by that later in the message, but I want you to just see two things about this. First off, raise a memorial for consistent demonstration. We, we have a tendency to forget, don't we? Uh, we have a tendency to forget the great things that happen, and some of us dwell on the bad. Does anybody else like, like that sometimes? We get so focused on all the bad things that we forget all the good things that God has done. And, and as we consider those things, let me just remind you, raise a memorial, and that may be taking a journal and just saying, look at all the great things that God has done in my life over the years. He's provided for my family when we didn't have a job. He's taken care of my sick, my sick baby when they were on, the, on their deathbed. God has protected, and God has provided, and God has, uh, has been faithful to us in our family. And when need to raise a memorial. And, and, and not I'm not saying raise a great edifice, but raise a memorial in our hearts today. And God stated His purpose in raising a memorial later in the chapter. Look in verse 24 with me, Joshua 4, 24. He says that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that ye might fear the Lord your God. That's the purpose. Why did, he, why did God call them to raise a memorial? So that people would know that God is real today. Listen, we don't build great buildings so that we can uh, say, oh, don't we look so great. We build a great building to say, look how good God is. But listen, listen even if the building was removed, God is still good. God is still faithful and we still serve a mighty God this morning. I want you to see a couple of things about memorials. Memorials demonstrate God's deliverance this morning. Think about your life. Think about where you were when you found Christ as your Savior. I remember I was just a child, and, and as a child, my, uh, my mom and dad made sure I was in church every week. Aren't you grateful for good parents? And as they took me to church every week, I, I remember hearing the gospel. And at the tender age of four years old, I remember uh, realizing that morning, I'm not saved. I need to be saved today. And, and I grabbed my dad and I said, Dad, I need to be saved. I said, will you come pray with me? And, 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 and I remember at the altar, just it wasn't this one, but one similar to this, that I knelt and my dad showed me how I could be saved. And I prayed and asked God to save me. I tell you, that, that, that place has a special part in my life. That altar holds a special place in my heart. Later, at that same altar, we shared our vows, my wife and I. Later, at that same altar, I told my church I surrendered to preach at church camp this year. I'm telling you, the altar was a significant place for me in my life. It was a memorial for me. 
I remember that's where I was able to meet with God for the first time. I remember that's where I, I felt called of God uh, to serve Him. I, I remember that that's where uh, I was able to share my vows with my wife and before God and those that we loved and cared about. I remember that was a special place for me in my life. That was a memorial for me. God never wanted the children of Israel to forget. Since the time of Abraham, God had called them to live a life that was bold, a, God that, a life that was holy, a, God, a life that was separate, a life that was dedicated to Him. Then God delivered Israel out of bondage. And God said, don't forget. Did you know throughout Scripture, God has reminded us to remember and God consistently reminds us to remember, and He uses different memorials. And we're going to look at, very briefly, some of these memorials throughout Scripture. Because I want you to realize that God has used memorials in our life, in the Scriptures, and He still does today. And so let's look at Exodus chapter 12 and verse number 14. The very first one I want to look at is, is the Passover. You consider the Passover, the children of Israel were in the land of Egypt and it was the last plague that God had brought upon the children of Israel, uh, excuse me, upon Egypt. And as God bring, brings this last plague, He said that all of the firstborn will be killed unless the blood of the Lamb is on the doorposts. What a wonderful type of Christ. What a wonderful example that Jesus Christ, by His shed blood, we get to have salvation. Amen? And this is what he wrote in Exodus chapter 12 and verse 14. And this day shall be unto you for memorial, and you shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. He says, never forget that I am your Redeemer. Never forget that I am your Savior. Listen, church, never shall we forget that Jesus is the reason. Jesus is the reason that we're here today. He is our Savior. He is our Redeemer. He is the one that offered His blood for me and you. We see the second one is the manna. Look in Exodus chapter 16 and verse 32 in your Bible. Exodus 16, 32, a few, few uh, chapters later, we see where God works miraculously. And He was Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. Amen. He was the one that pr provided for them in the middle of the wilderness. Nothing was there for a million people to eat. Imagine trying to feed a million people at McDonald's. It's not going to happen. Anybody ever worked at McDonald's? Do you have enough food to feed a million people? No, no, not at all. You know, and I think about that in any location, and yet in the middle of the wilderness, there was no McDonald's, there was no jack-in-the-box, kind of like he, us here, we're kind of suffering for Jesus with no jack-in-the-box, I just want to say. There, there was nothing like that in the wilderness. Instead, it was barren. Many times there was no water for the people to drink, and God provided. And God wanted them to remember His provision for them. And so we see in Exodus chapter 16 and verse 32, because here God reminds them that, listen, I'm going to give you something that you will be able to eat. And so they called it manna. Do you know what manna means? What is it? What an appropriate name. God said, this is something for you to eat. And they look at it and say, what is it? I said that about some of the meals my mom made growing up. What is this? I should have called it manna. Exodus chapter 16 and verse 32. Let's look at this one. It says, and Moses said, this is the thing which the Lord commandeth. Fill an omer of it to, keep, to be kept for your generations, that they may see the bread wherewith I have fed you in the wilderness when I brought you forth out of the land of Egypt. This manna was saved and preserved for a memorial. Look at Exodus chapter 28, verse 12. Then there was something different. 
the stones of the ephod, in the ephod. Now, we're not talking about the stones with the names of the children of Israel on them, but instead there's two stones on the ephod on the shoulders that bear the names of the tribes of the children of Israel. And on these stones, they sit on the shoulders. And, and guess who they are pointing to? God. And the, and the priest, and this is so exciting, the, the priest continually bears the names of the children of Israel before God. These stones weren't for the people, but there's a memorial to God of who, uh, of the fact that they still serve Him. Look at Exodus 28. It says, And thou shalt put the two stones upon the shoulders of the ephod for stones of memorial unto the children of Israel. And Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord upon his two shoulders for memorial. Listen, they were saying God is above us and we must bow to Him and we must remember that His ways are higher than our ways and His desire is greater than our desire. And just as He is above us, we can trust Him no matter what may come. What an incredible reminder. It reminds us of Isaiah 55 and verse 9. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. This is what I tell people all the time. Even when I don't understand God, even when I don't understand the trial that I'm in, I can still trust God. I can still trust Him even if I don't understand Him. The next thing that he reminded the children of Israel, this memorial was on the fringes of their garments. Numbers chapter 15 and verse 39 in your Bibles. The standard of dress for the Israelites was, and for the Hebrews was a rectangular piece of cloth like a poncho. And it had a hole in the center. And a sash was then tied around the waist to secure the garment in place. And, and the fringes then, on, on the edge of the corners, they, they tied these fringes to the corners. And this is what the Lord was talking about in this scripture. And He wanted them to, these fringes to be a reminder. Remembering that God, uh, that God still provides for them. And He commands His people to remember the laws that He's given. And so even in their garments, on the edge of their garments, they would be reminded of God's desire for their life. Look in Exodus or Numbers 15, 39. It says, And it shall be unto you for a fringe, that you may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them, and that you seek not after your own heart and your own eyes, after which you used to go whoring. Listen, God reminds us even in this little, uh, this little piece of cloth, these fringes on the edge of the garment, that even in this, that He calls us to remember. Remember where God has called you to. Remember not just the commandments, but also to obey them. And it goes on here, and he, he, we also see where Joshua set up a stone for memorial. Now, not these here in Joshua 4, but Joshua chapter number 24. Turn to Joshua 24 and verse 27. It says, uh, as we think about stones, God, Joshua set up a stone, and, and I, in my mind's eye, I picture that the stone that Joshua was standing upon was literally a, a large rock. Uh, you know, when we go rock collecting, I, I encourage my kids to, to bring home rocks. You know what I'm talking about? Something that we can put in our hand because guess who gets to carry them by the end of the walk? So I want something I can throw in my pocket. You know, something that's easy. Something that maybe we can remember. And, and sometimes we even take little jars with us. You know, a little bitty jar and we fill it full of dirt from places we've been. We've got some from South Korea and we've got some from Colorado and we've got some from California and we've got some from Texas and that's the most sacred dirt we have. <laughs> And we think about, and, and really, they're, they're like a mini memorial for our family. We've been to all these places. Remember when we were, remember when we got to, 
and a memorial. But this, this was a stone of memorial in Joshua's life. What think about stones? They oftentimes throughout centuries they used them and they carved on them and they would, uh, sometimes they would make idols out of stones. But this wasn't what this was. I see it more as a platform where Joshua boldly and decidedly said from this platform, he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let this stone be a memorial for that. Let's look in verse 27 together, Joshua 24, 27. And Joshua said unto all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness unto us, for it hath heard all the words of the Lord which he spake unto us. It shall therefore be a witness unto you, lest you deny your God. And every time they would pass by that place and that generation, they would say, remember when Joshua stood up there and said, as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. Then remember our elders stood up and said, us too, Joshua, we'll do the same. We've got to continue to be faithful in that. That was a memorial for them. That was a memorial for the children of Israel. Today, we still have some memorials around. Luke chapter 22 and verse number 19. In the New Testament, Jesus Christ calls us to remember. Calls us to remember, lest we ever forget, because listen, we have a tendency to forget. And the, the one thing that we can never forget is the wonderful sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. He was no ordinary man that day. He was no ordinary man that died on the cross. Instead, he was the, the Lord, the creator of all the world. He was the creator of the ends of the universe. And we consider that God, in his incredible might and majesty, willingly left, up the, left the throne of heaven and came and was made in the likeness of man and hung on the cross willingly and was murdered by his own creation that was no ordinary day let us never forget Luke chapter 22 and verse number 19 it says and he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them saying this is my body which is given for you this do in remembrance of me listen memorials demonstrate God's deliverance but also God's faithfulness consider God's faithfulness Consider the location of this memorial that God had, had told Joshua to give. Look back in our text, Joshua 4 and verse 20. Joshua 4 and verse 20. Remember, God told Joshua, grab, get 10 men, or 12 men, 12 stones, out of the Jordan River. We'll bring them up and we'll set them up in, in, in camp. And so these men, you know, knowing the nature of men, I don't think that they picked up a stone. You know what I mean? Men have this bravado type of thing going on. You know what I mean? Oh, you got one this big? I'm going to get one this big, you know? And so in my mind's eye, I've got this idea that these guys are just getting the largest, massive stone they could possibly get, and they're carrying it. And who knows, maybe for a half a day until Joshua finally calls camp. and says, okay, we're far enough away. Let's set up camp. This place is called Gilgal. Look at verse 20. Well, I'll get there with you. Hang on. It says, and those 12 stones which they took out of Jordan, and did Joshua pitch in Gilgal? Now, the word Gilgal is an interesting because it means the reproach has been rolled away. Chew on that for a second. The place where God had them set up a memorial was called the place where reproach has been rolled away. Is there a place in your life, is there a time in your life where the reproach of sin has been rolled away? Do you have your own Gilgal in your life? I told you about mine. Mine was at an altar at just four and a half years old where I said, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I need a Savior, and I turn to you today. Do you have a Gilgal in your life? 
Do you have a place where you say, God, I've never fully surrendered my life to you. I've lived in arrogance and pride my entire life, and I've never truly humbled myself before you. And today I come to you at this place I want to call Gilgal, and I want to let the reproach be rolled away. This is where the Israelites were. For the Israelites, this meant that the reproach of the wilderness. Remember, why were they in the wilderness? For 40 years, they wandered in the wilderness because of their rebellion. Has your reproach been rolled away? They called it Gilgal because all of those things were gone. Their self-centered, their carnal life had been left behind. The place of spiritual defeat and of failure had been removed. Even the reproach of Egypt and their false idols was gone. This does not mean that Israel experienced no further failure or defeat, but instead they could come back to Gilgal and they said, I remember when God at Gilgal rolled away our reproach. Do you have a Gilgal? Do you have a place in your life where you've raised a memorial and said, this is my Gilgal in my life. This is the place where God has rolled away the reproach of sin in my life. A place where 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. Do you have a Gilgal in your life? This doesn't mean that we may not sin again or become carnal, but instead it does mean that the old life dominated by sin is gone forever. When we take the position that we have died to the old self, the old flesh, and are alive now unto God, then the reality will be manifested in our life. As Joshua and the children of Israel went forward, Gilgal became their base of operations. They would come back to Gilgal. They went to Jericho, defeated Jericho. They came back to Gilgal. They went to Ai and was defeated by the men at Ai. They came back to Gilgal with their tails tucked between their legs. And there was sin in the camp. And they had to come and they had to uh, expose Achan's sin. And, but the, and then they went back out and they went to, uh, from Gilgal. They went back to Ai and they came back to Gilgal. And they went out uh, back and forth and back and forth. And as they came back to Gilgal, I can imagine after Ai's defeat, Joshua stood before that memorial and said, Lord, you rolled away our reproach. What's going Going on here today and God said there's sin in the camp you've drifted from your purpose you've drifted from your foundation you've drifted from your moorings get up off your knees from in front of this memorial and go serve me God was faithful through all that they went through every battle every defeat every victory God proved himself faithful to the children of Israel. Listen to the scriptures today, 1 Corinthians 1, 9. God is faithful by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be attempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Do you serve a faithful God today? Amen. Amen. I serve a faithful God. He has proven himself faithful time and time again, and I have chosen in my life, I'm going to raise a memorial to the God that I serve today. I've chosen in my life that each morning when I, when I get up, I want to make sure that, that I remember the sacrifice that he's done. I want to spend time with him. I want that memorial to be raised so that my children will say, Dad, how come you didn't get up and read your Bible this morning? Because they've seen that over and over and over again. 
They've seen the faithfulness of that memorial. They've seen that I've come back to the Lord and they said, Dad, he's, he's reading his Bible. I'm not going to bother him. Dad, he's up there. He's talking with God. I'm, I'm going to leave him alone. Listen, are you raising a memorial for your family to follow? Are you men, are you ladies being willing to say, Listen, I, God is God. He is faithful. I'm going to be faithful to him as well. When we become discouraged, may I remind you, come back to Gilgal. When, when it seems like the, the, the waves of grief overwhelm you, let me re, re, remind you to return to Gilgal. Return to the memorial of God's word. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18 says, And be not drunken with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Return to Gilgal. This is what Paul said, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Our Gilgal today is not a shrine. I'm not going to go build an edifice, a totem pole, or anything of that nature. I'm not going to carve a mantelpiece to put on my mantle. I'm not going to do those things. My memorial is Jesus Christ. The, the thing that I want to remember is his sacrifice. The thing I never want to get over is the wonderful salvation that he brings. Listen, God's calling us to raise that kind of memorial today. We raise that memorial in our life because we want to make sure that we have a clear direction. Do you have a clear direction? Do you know who you're going to follow? Do you know what's next in your life? Joshua's memorial at Gilgal gave the Israelites a clear direction. They knew where they were going. They, set, they had two memorials actually in this text. The first one, Joshua alone set up. As the priest stood there with the Ark of the Covenant hoisted on their shoulders. They stood in the middle of that river. And as they stood there holding and hoisting that Ark of the Covenant, Joshua came and he put 12 stones around the feet of those priests. These 12 stones, it signified that, uh, that soon as that water came down, the reproach of Israel literally was carried away. It was covered under the blood of Christ. It signified the death of the old life. No longer could they live to that old way of sinning. Listen, the stones in Gilgal speak of the new life as they chose to follow. They speak of the resurrected life, for they were born out of the death in the river. Listen, you want a brand new life? Come die to self on the altar today. You want to experience a Gilgal in your life? It must come when we humbly say, God, no longer am I living for self. I want a new direction. I want a new life. I want something that's brand new. And it starts right here this morning. So it clarifies who you follow. Think about who are you following today. In the book of Judges, when Gideon, uh, Gideon was a tremendous uh, man that God used, but there was a problem in his life. Did you know that Gideon, there was a problem that arose later in his line at the end of, his, at the, end of the battle, when, after he had defeated the Midianites, and we saw 135,000 Midianites routed and defeated. We saw that, that just 300 men, God used that in a great way. But they, they got all the spoils of the Midianites, and they brought them together. And as Gideon stood there with his men, he said, Men, I want to do something. I want to raise a memorial. And so he said, Any of you that want to contribute, he said, Throw it in the middle. We're going to make an ephod so we can remember what God has done. The problem is that this became a snare unto them. Look at this scripture. And Gideon made an ephod thereof and put it in his city, even in Ophrah. And all Israel went thither a whoring after it, which thing became a snare unto Gideon and to his house. This one thing that he did, he made this physical act. And listen, God didn't instruct this. You know what this reminds me of? Go back to the book of Exodus. 
on Mount Sinai. Moses was there for 40 days and 40 nights meeting with the Lord, receiving the Ten Commandments, and Aaron was in charge, and Aaron was pressured by the people. And as a priest of God, Aaron, uh, the people came to the priest and said, We want a God like we had in Egypt. And instead of standing firm, uh, um, and we just talked about this in our Sunday school class, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free. And be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage, according to Galatians 6 uh, or 5.1. And instead of standing fast in that liberty, he said, sure, bring me your gold. Gideon said, sure, let's bring our gold together. And just like Aaron formed a calf, he made an ephod. And this ephod, as he brought it together, it became a shrine. It became a thing that they went whoring after, as the Bible says. The word snare in the Hebrew literally means a trap. It entrapped the people. The noun and the verb both refer to setting a trap or a noose to catch a prey. And so literally, we, we see that it became a, a place of entrapping people. Clarify who you follow. Clarify who we're following today. The focus should not be on the worship, rather on God. And the focus should not be on a shrine, but on the Savior. This morning, as we, you know, how many of you have a cross? necklace or a cross on your car or something like that. We use a cross in our logo at the church. Listen, we think about the cross and it is not a shrine. It's a symbol to remember. We don't keep a collection of, of things that we bow down to. We don't have a collection of bones, but instead we have a living Savior. Many cathedrals in Egypt, or excuse me, in Europe have been built from the offerings of worshipers. And truly, one of the greatest things, if you go to Europe, is to visit some of the cathedrals. Incredible, incredible uh, buildings. But the problem is, is they forgot who they were worshiping. And many of these great buildings and great structures, they, they house some beautiful artwork and some beautiful, uh, um, just incredible things to look at. But let me just remind you that they became the focus instead of God. These buildings that were once built to, to magnify the name of the Lord became the Lord in some people's eyes themselves. Holy things need not be evil in and of themselves, but listen, they can become a snare. They can become a trap, and so be careful. Clarify who you follow. Clarify why you follow. Think about this. The children of Israel were here, and they were, in, in, they were coming into Canaan. And listen, they knew their purpose. Joshua chapter 4, and verse number 21, and we, here it says here, And he spake unto the children of Israel, saying, When your children uh, shall ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean these stones? The memorial was so the children and the children's children would come and ask questions. Why are these stones set up like this? This looks like an altar, but we only all worship in one place. Then that's, what, that's when they can come and say, Then ye shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan from before you, until you were passed over as the Lord your God did into the Red Sea, which he dried up from before us until ye, we were gone over. Then all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that ye might fear the Lord your God. Who do you follow today? Why do you follow? Let me tell you why I follow Christ. It's not Buddha in my home. 
It's not Christ and uh, Muhammad. It's not Christ and Joseph Smith. It's not Christ and anything else. It's Christ and Christ alone because Acts chapter 4 and verse 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You know what that means? We don't play sports on Sunday. You know what that means? That we as a family have chosen to glorify the name of Jesus Christ above everything else in our home. And you know what? There may be a time where our children are resistant, but we're going to remain steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Because as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Have you made that decision today? Have you said in my home that God is preeminent above everything, above all things, that God is the ruler, the leader, the one that deserves all the praise? You know, during Jesus' time, when He was performing miracles and He was seeing people healed and people would come to Him for bread and people would come to Him and receive the blessings, there was great multitudes that followed Him. But when He said, I am the bread, I am the door, and He said some of these things, that, and, and, they, and He said, you must drink of the cup of my suffering. And when He began to talk about some of these things, and we see this in John chapter 6, then in John 6, 6, 6, it says that many of them forsake the Lord. But in John 6, 68, I, I'm, I want to remind you what Simon Peter said. Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of life. Jesus alone today. Not Jesus and, it's Jesus alone. So like James 1.21 says, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and all superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Why is it Jesus alone? Because Jesus alone saves. Why is it Jesus alone? Because nobody else has the power to be resurrected and the power to, to uh, save you from hell. Let me, let me just remind you, because when we know who we're uh, following, we know why we're following, we can also know where we're going. Look here, John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh to the Father but by me. Jesus is the only way to heaven. If you don't know where you're going when you die this morning, let me remind you that God is calling you and says, listen, come follow me because I know where you can go. I know the opportunities you have to be able to experience eternity in heaven with me today. And so I invite you, come and receive Christ as your Savior today. Come and experience the salvation that Jesus offers. Come and know what it's like to be able to know that your home, your future residence is in heaven. I don't care if you live in a cardboard box today because one day the Bible says that there should be a mansion. He says, go, I, behold, I go to prepare a place for you. God doesn't do anything with cardboard boxes, does He? God makes incredible things. And so I want, you to, I want to share one more story with you before we're, we're done this morning. Tom Cotton, he is a former member of the Old Guard. He is a uh, U.S. Senator from Arkansas, and he wrote a book called Sacred Duty. And he wrote about his time as a, as a uh, member of the 3rd U.S. Infantry uh, and he said this, these poignant moments at Denver, and he's talking about the changing of the guard. He's talking about the times where they did these funerals, the times where the old guard would, would, would uh, not only serve in these capacities, but also train other soldiers, all the, the, the demands and the pressures. He says, like the old guard's unflagging dedication to our fallen at Arlington, tell not only a story about war dead and the soldiers who honor them, but also a story about a nation on whose behalf they serve. 
We go to great lengths to recover fallen comrades. We honor them the most precise and exacting ceremonies. We set aside national holidays to remember and celebrate them. We do these things for them, of course, but also for us, the living. Their stories of heroism, of sacrifice, and of patriotism remind us of what is best in ourselves, and they teach our children what is best in America. Listen, his words are incredibly powerful. But just as Memorial Day is important to us as a nation, may I ask you, are you ready to raise a memorial in your home to the Savior? Are you ready to lift up for all of your family? Are you ready to lift up for all of your co-workers? Are you ready to lift up for all of our community to see that Jesus alone is the Savior in our home? Romans chapter 8 and verse 13 says, For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit... Do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. I'm going to invite you to turn one more passage this morning. We're done. Deuteronomy chapter 6. It's not going to be on the screen. I wrote this in my notes this morning as I was just going over again and uh, the message today. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse number 6. Moses shares with us in the last, really the last dissertation he gives to the children of Israel. Is in the book of Deuteronomy. And as he is sharing his final farewell, if you will, we have uh, Deuteronomy chapter 4, uh, 6 and verse number 4, where he says, Behold, the Lord, uh, behold, or, or excuse me, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And he talks about the greatness of the, of the great and mighty God we serve. But he gets down to verse 6 and he says, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thine house and on thy gates. You know what he said? These words shall be a memorial. These words shall remind us of the great and mighty God that we serve today. And listen, the Word of God truly is something that we can serve. And so, listen, we don't have a memorial of pagan worship this morning. We don't have a memorial uh, where we have idols set out. But instead, we have a memorial that the Word of God is absolute authority in our faith and practice. We have a memorial that Jesus Christ alone is the Savior of the world. We have a memorial this morning that points people to the cross of Christ and says, Listen, at the, ground, uh, at the cross, everyone is equal there. Why don't you come to him this morning? This morning, I don't know where you're at. I don't know what memorial you need to set up. Maybe you need to come like I did as a child and come to Gilgal and let the reproaches of your past be washed away. Maybe this morning you need a Gilgal. Maybe for the first time you're, will you're willing to admit, I've never done that, and it's time. Maybe you need to come back to Gilgal. Maybe you need to come back to this place, a memorial, because maybe you've drifted. You've forgotten. Let's choose today to remember.